take up our morning offering to celebrate that to you. We are excited uh, to have Ryan with us and his wife, Dorothy, and uh, just have him a part of the Genesis family here. And um, hey, I just want to say good morning to you all as well. Thanks for being here today. My name is Paul Mumaw, and uh, I'm the lead pastor here at Genesis. And today we're continuing in this series. We started last week, uh, a series called In the Meantime, and we're asking this question, what do you do uh, when there's nothing you can do? What do you do when you feel like life has put you in a situation where you're stuck or you're trapped and uh, you are miles uh, from your ideal. I was coming back uh, from Albania last February, and I don't travel overseas much, but have done it enough times to know how draining uh, that 10 to 12-hour flight is uh, over the ocean, and uh, landed at Chicago O'Hare, and I was really excited for one last flight to get home, see my family, get back to Indianapolis, and I knew that I had two hours uh, to get off that plane in Chicago to get through immigration and customs, to get luggage, recheck luggage, go through security, do all these things, get to my gate, and I arrived at my gate with about 45 minutes to spare, uh, only to find that my 8 p.m. flight uh, had been delayed uh, to 9 p.m. Now, that's disappointing, but certainly not devastating uh, by any means, but then it got worse. And uh, in a matter of minutes, I watched that 9 o'clock turn into a 9.30, and then the 9.30 to a 10, and 10 to 10.30, and finally all the way in a matter of few minutes to 11.30, again, all in this short period uh, of time. And some of you know that feeling. You know it much better than I do if you travel a lot for your job, if you're in the airport every week, if you're always getting on and off planes. Like, you, you, you dread those moments. Uh, you dread those delays. And when they happen, I mean, what do you do? Like, I mean, when it happens, I mean, what? What can you do? And so what do you, what do, you do uh, when there's nothing that you can do? I mean, what do you do when life creeps up on you and uh, presents a problem that's not going any, away anytime soon? Uh, I'm guessing that some of you have experienced this professionally. And uh, maybe for you, I mean, if you think back, I mean, the challenge for you is you chose the major. Uh, you picked the school, you picked the grad school, and you, you did the work, and you got the degree, and you've got a school loan now to prove it, and, well, you've got a job that you once called your dream job. The problem is you hate it, and uh, it's not what you imagined. It's not what you hoped it would be, and you feel trapped. Maybe it's a financial issue, and so for some of you this morning, I mean, you're desperate right now, and you're just struggling to get by, really, really challenged by this place that you're in financially, and for some people, it's a health challenge. And the good news is that you finally got the report, and the good news is that the doctor told you it's not going to kill you, but the reality is it's going gonna, it's gonna to impact your life forever, or maybe it's going to impact a kid's life uh, forever. could be a relationship problem, uh, and you're married to him, and, uh, but it's not what you, you hoped it would be, and well, you're not going to call it off. I mean, you've, you've done so much of life together. You've got a home, you've got kids, but you just know that it's not going to be what you hoped, or it's not, it's not going to be the way that it used to be, and so you're stuck. And maybe you feel trapped and maybe you've just kind of resolved yourself with this thought of, you know what, this is the way it is. And so the question is, what do you do when there's nothing that you feel like you can do? Well, last week uh, we shared a video uh, for our teaching, a, a video from popular pastor and writer Andy Stanley. And he opened this series and exposed, I think, what so many of us do, how so many of us react when we get stuck in places that we don't need to be. I mean, they're if you think about all those circumstances in life, I mean, it's so easy to get angry with God or we convince ourselves that He's not paying attention or that He's not listening or, or, or maybe that He's punishing us for some past choices or, or, or we're tempted to run. You ever been tempted to run from, from your reality or just abandon everything you've ever known or maybe to give in to, to whatever or, 
or we question, you know, we question God. We question, why are you silent? We question, you know, why is He absent and if He really cares? Uh, I just want to remind you today again of something that Andy shared last week, and I think this is something that we need to come back to over and over again in in life and when we find ourselves in these difficult circumstances. And and the reality is the truth is that it, it doesn't matter what you're going through in your life right now. It doesn't matter what you feel like you're up against. God's not absent. I want you to know today that He's certainly not angry with you and that He loves you and He loves you deeply. And if you find yourself in an in-the-meantime sort of a season, good can come from it. I just, I want to beg you, I want to plead with you today to hold on because good can come from it. And as we're going to see today, whatever that is for you, whatever it is that you find yourself in or whatever it is that's going on in your life right now, God can. And He wants to produce something in and through your life. He wants to bring something very special out of it. And so if you've got a Bible today, I want to invite you to take it. Uh, if you use something like the Version app on your phone, uh, you can turn to the New Testament book of James. And I don't know if you uh, realize this or not, but as you're turning there, um, the Christian faith was born out of very difficult circumstances. And not only that, but, but it grew and it thrived uh, in spite of some really intense and great persecution. In fact, uh, the New Testament is just full of stories. It's full of stories of men and women who were very familiar with adversity. Uh, it's men and women, and, and we know students who experienced uh, one difficult challenge after another. Now, for you and I, we, we get upset. We feel challenged. We feel persecuted, you know, when we can uh, no longer do things like pray before a school event, all right? Uh, as difficult, as challenging as that might be. Well, persecution for these Christians, for these early Christians that we read about in Scripture, specifically in the book of Acts, uh, meant intense suffering and in many cases uh, execution as well. And yet, these were men and women who continued believing. They kept believing, and for so many of them, and I I just think this is so foreign to us at times, there was no seeming contradiction between a faithful God and a difficult life. No contradiction. I mean, they, they, they didn't struggle like we struggle. They, and when I say that, I, I just mean that they didn't ask questions that we typically ask today. They didn't ask questions like, if God is good, then why is there pain? Or if God is real, then why is there suffering? Those are questions that we ask. Those are questions that are very popular with our generations today. And sure, they struggle. I don't want to give you the impression that they didn't struggle, but I'm just saying that I don't think they struggle with the same questions that we often struggle with. And so what I want to talk with you about this morning and what I pray that you will see today is this, that there is a word that is emphasized over and over again in the New Testament. And it's a word that Jesus emphasized and it's a word that he reemphasized when he encountered people who who were struggling, uh, when he encountered people that were going through difficult times. And it's a word for us that when we find ourselves in one of those in the meantime seasons that we need to remember. And it's the word believe. It's the word believe. And the reason why we're commanded to believe is because so often what we tend to do is the exact opposite. Or what we're tempted to do is the exact opposite of believe. I mean, so often when difficult circumstances hit us or we get bad news, so often our default is to think the worst. All right, and, and we start playing it out in our minds and we start imagining or supposing where this is going or how this could unfold. Well, what was Jesus' encouragement in the scriptures to people who were hurting and going through difficult times? He said to them, he said, I want you to keep believing. 
Keep believing, keep trusting. Uh, the apostle's message was the same even after Jesus. It was to keep believing. And as we're going to see in these passages in James today, his message, James' message for us is the same too, to believe that no matter what you're going through in your life right now, keep trusting, keep believing. So James chapter 1 today, I want to take a few minutes and just kind of walk through kind of verse by verse uh, some important words here written by someone who spent time with Jesus. You know, that's an advantage that we get in looking at these verses today is that this man spent time with Jesus. He was someone that was very close to Jesus. Now, let me tell you a little bit about this relationship. I don't know if you realize this or not, uh, but Jesus had brothers and sisters. Uh, the Gospels tell us that. And uh, one of them was James. Uh, James was the brother of Jesus, the writer of this book in our New Testament. And what makes James very interesting is that he really didn't show up at any point in Jesus' ministry, at least from what we can see in the Gospels. In fact, it's not until after the crucifixion of Jesus that James shows up and eventually goes on to take this major prominent role as a leader in the church in Jerusalem, which raises the question, what did James previously think of his brother Jesus. I mean, if James is nowhere to be found until after the crucifixion, I mean, what did he really think about his brother? I mean, did he think he was crazy? I mean, do you suppose he thought he was a phony? I mean, we know that Jesus kind of distanced himself from his family as he started his ministry, and there are several places in Scripture that give us the impression that Jesus' family thought he was indeed crazy, but then Jesus was crucified. And then the resurrection, and it's been recorded that the resurrected Jesus appeared to many, including members of his own family, and then he ascended into heaven. And so I love the question that Andy Stanley likes to ask. He asks this, what, what would your brother have to do to convince you that he's the Son of God? Think about that. What, what would your brother or your sister have to do to convince you that they were the Messiah, someone very special? I mean, could it be that James not only witnessed Jesus' crucifixion, but also the resurrected Jesus too. Like, was that the game changer? Was that what sparked and ignited his faith? I think it's a great, great observation. I think it's a great question. Whatever the case, James is going to emerge as a leader and as a champion for Jesus and for the church, and he eventually wrote this document that we call the book of James. Now, the book of James is actually a letter. It's an epistle written primarily to Jewish Christians uh, in the first century. And with this letter, James is basically going to say that if you're going through a difficult time in your life right now, if you're in an in-the-meantime sort of a season, there's something you've got to know. There's something you need to believe and you need to hold on to. And so he opens his letter in James chapter 1, verse 1, by introducing himself, saying, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Now stop there for a second. I just want you to observe that James sees himself as a servant. And let me just add to that that I hope you see yourself the same way that James does. And that just means that for you and me, no matter the, the season that you're in, no matter the circumstances you're going through, no matter where you live right now, no matter where you go to school, no matter what you do for a living, what you do for fun, if you're in Christ, if you're making the effort, if you're doing everything that you can to follow Jesus Christ, well, then you're a servant of God. You're a servant 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as a servant, uh, James is writing to these Christians who notice what he says there in verse 1, who had been scattered uh, throughout this part of the world. Now, these are men, these are women, these are children that fled Jerusalem following the execution of Stephen. Uh, So, some left their homes voluntarily, some were forced out of their homes. Whatever the case, each fled Jerusalem out of fear for their lives, uh, fear for their families. Now, these original recipients of James' letter have lost most everything they've ever known. Uh, some have lost contact with loved ones. Some have, have, are mourning the deaths uh, of those that they love. Many don't know how they're going to provide for their families. Many don't know what tomorrow is going to bring for them. And so it's as if you can hear, if you let yourself, it's almost as if you can hear James saying, hey, if that's where you are, uh, if you're struggling, if you feel like you're, you're far from ideal right now, and he's going to continue, but I've got to warn you before we get into verse 2 that what he says next is a little controversial, all right? What he says in verse 2, you might just outright disagree with, but look what he says starting in verse 2. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. So, don't get mad at me, all right? I didn't say it, all right? This is James that says this. This is James, the brother of Jesus. And I can't say what James said because I don't have that kind of faith. Not yet, at least. But apparently, James does. Now, let me just try and break this down for you carefully if I can. I, I want you to see James starts off here in verse 2 by writing, consider. He challenges us to consider. Basically, uh, before you bail. Uh, before you hit the eject button. Uh, He's saying, hey, when bad things happen to you and you want to fight, when bad things happen and you want to resist or you want to give up or you want to just give in altogether, I I think he's saying, hey, before you make up your mind uh, what you think about God or who He is or what He's like, James said, "I, I just want you to at least consider, basically consider a different mindset towards your circumstances. It just means that instead of considering it the end of the world, uh, considering, uh, instead of considering it uh, the end of the road for you, he just says, before you give up, I want you to consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. And I think that's just another way of saying that when life kind of takes you by surprise or uh, when something in life, uh, you know, comes, comes in that, that you're not expecting, like the doctor calls or your son or daughter calls with some really bad news or you show up at work and your worst fear is realized, instead of assuming the worst, James is challenging us to think different about our adversity and to consider the possibility that something good could come from it. Verse 2 again, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And then he goes on to say, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let's, let's at least be encouraged that James states the obvious here. I mean, give him credit for at least acknowledging the trials that so often come into our lives. I mean, that's what Jesus said. Jesus said the very same thing. He said, hey, it doesn't matter. In fact, if you follow me, be prepared. Be prepared that you're going to face some really difficult challenges in life. Uh, Expect troubles. I mean, that's what James is saying here. James agrees. We're going to experience trials. Uh, You and I, we're going to experience these trials, but don't miss verse 3 because these words are incredibly important here because what James is saying here in verse 3 is I think something that we all suspect. Uh, I think it's something that we all know. It's something that you've learned uh, from different experiences, different trials and challenges that you've gone through in life, and that is that whenever you face adversity in life, whenever you face adversity in life uh, as a follower of Jesus Christ, 
It tests your faith, doesn't it? Man, it tests your faith. I mean, isn't it so true? I mean, whenever you go through tough times, the tough times put your faith to the test. And add to that, life's trials put God on trial too. And that happens for us as we walk with Christ. I think that's what makes it so difficult and so challenging for those who don't believe to believe. I mean, think about it. You've ever had something in your life, something that's come up so suddenly, something that's taken you by storm, and it's just something that causes you to look up and go, seriously? Like, well, why do I got to go through this? Like, what did I do to deserve this? Why me or or why now? Well, James gets it right again when he says, you know, the, the testing of your faith. I mean, he's just basically acknowledging that when you go through difficult seasons, that they're not supposed to be peachy, all right? They're difficult times. These in-the-meantime moments that we all go through, they're going to test your faith. They cause us to ask those questions. Do I really believe? Do I really trust? Will I continue believing? Life's trials test our confidence in God. And then James points us in a direction that's a little uncomfortable, but somehow I think we know it's true. He lets us know that the testing of your faith produces something. And what is it? He says it produces perseverance. The testing of your faith produces perseverance. In fact, if you're taking notes and you want to write this down, life's trials produce persevering faith. And I thought about that yesterday, and I thought maybe, you know, maybe I should change that because the reality that we're going to see is life's trials can produce persevering faith because there's some submission and some surrender on our part that have to do with that process too. But James says life's trials produce persevering faith. These trials can and should produce persevering faith in us. And you, you know a little bit what that's like. I mean, I think especially at a time of the year like this, the, the beginning of a new year, because uh, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and maybe for some of you, this is obviously a big time to set some goals, uh, to, to make some new priorities in your life. And so, you know, if that has to do with dieting uh, for you, or maybe something like exercise, or uh, the way that you use your time, or uh, maybe you, you kind of set some goals when it comes to reading your Bible this year, you know that, okay, now we're sort of past, you know, that initial enthusiasm, that go get them sort of an attitude, and we're in that moment now where you're kind of getting a taste of what it's going to require, right, you know, to, to maintain some of those goals. Like, like for me, um, I really enjoy running, and one of my goals this year was to kind of add some variety to my exercise routine, and so I've been swimming and, you know, my experience with swimming is, like, enough to not drown. Like, I can, I just know I can get to the edge of the pool. And so, I've been trying, learning to swim laps. And it's just amazing how hard that is when you're getting started to just go the 25 meters, you know, the one length of the pool. And so, I get there, and I stop, and I catch my breath, and I turn around and go. And so, I, it's something that I've quick, I, I'm going to have to keep at this. I, I'm already tempted to, to quit, uh, you know, learning or, or practicing swimming because, again, it requires hard work and persistence and accountability, and perseverance. And in the same way, life's trials produce persevering faith. And that just means that, again, when we feel stuck in an in-the-meantime sort of moment, if we believe, if we hold on, James says, if, if we dare to change our perspective as difficult as it may be, James wants to encourage us by pointing out that something really good can come from it, this persevering faith this enduring faith. See, faith pleases God. Your faith 
brings great honor and glory to God. I mean, if you read the New Testament, if you listen to people like Jesus teach, and even others too, what you discover is that God is honored and He's most glorified by our faith. It's like in Matthew chapter 15, verse 28, Jesus had encountered a particular woman with a need, and Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. Or in Romans chapter 4, verse 20, the apostle Paul was writing about Abraham, looking back on his faith, and he said, yet he, yet Abraham did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. And then in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, when we read, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. See, the implication is that our faith, that your faith, pleases God. What honors God? It's faith that keeps believing. It's a faith that keeps enduring even when we experience pain. I mean, just think how that plays out in life. I mean, think about, think about the stories that inspire us the most. Think, of, think about the, the movies that we love. Think about the books that you love to read, those stories of, of people who experience difficult times and people that persevere. And, and because they hold on and because they persevere, you know, they overcome these. I, I don't know about you, I love these overcoming, comeback sort of stories. Like I came across one yesterday. I, I don't know how I missed this one, but it, it's the story of Jose Salvador Alvaringa, uh, an El Salvadorian man who is living in Mexico and he was a fisherman. He, was a, he, he fished for sharks, and he had this little fiberglass boat. And back in 2012, he was out off of the shore uh, fishing for sharks, and a storm came in, and he lost power to his boat, and he drifted away. Uh, he was with a buddy who eventually lost his life out on the water, but he was out on the water, stranded all alone for four, over 400 days. And back in February of 2014, washed up on the shore of the Marshall Islands. They believe he had floated for 6,000 miles. Uh, he talked about the cargo ships off in the distance that would pass, but he had no way of tracking them down, the planes that he would see overhead. And there's been some questions about whether his story is real. And uh, there's some evidence to prove, you know, again, that, you know, over the course of 400 days drifting 6,000 miles, that the currents were just right according to where he, uh, he eventually landed, and he talked about, you know, surviving off eating birds, you know, that he was able to catch and fish that, you know, they were able to catch on the side of, of the boat. But um, we, we love, you know, these comeback sort of a stories. They inspire us. And in the same way, God is pleased and, and honored by our persevering faith. And so that's why James says, if you're in a difficult place, don't bail. Don't hit eject. I think he says before you quit praying, before you give up on God or fall back into a bad habit, wait, ask yourself, is it possible that God can produce something good from this? Is it possible that God can bring good uh, as a result of this? Uh, verse 4, James says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. See, God's desire is to produce persevering faith in us, uh, to produce this in you. And, and that just means that persevering faith is a faith that doesn't crumble. Uh, faith, uh, persevering faith is a faith that doesn't go off to college and fall apart. It's a, it's a faith that stands strong and holds. It's a faith that glorifies God and gets the attention of others. Um, verse 4 is the main point of this particular selection of verses. In fact, if you were studying this in the Greek, they call this the imperative. It's uh, James' big takeaway for, for us. It, it's something that we can do. And 
Well, what's the imperative here? He says, let perseverance finish its work. In other words, if you find yourself in an in the meantime sort of a moment today, miles from your ideal, don't, don't give up yet. Don't run. Don't, don't file for divorce just yet. Don't turn to. Don't give in. Don't get cranky or cynical. Sure, you can take out your anger or your frustration on someone else, or you can hold on and believe that God is good and that He's still working and that He's in the process of producing in you the kind of faith that pleases Him the most. Let perseverance finish its work. It's kind of like germs and illness, you know, if you're a parent, if you've got young kids, that there's some degree of letting your kids fight off a cold, right? I mean, there's, there's some degree where letting their immune system do its work, you know, produces a greater uh, immune system. It gets stronger, you know, because of the fighting. Well, in the same way, there's a sense in which as you think about your greatest challenge, your biggest problem in life right now, whether that be a relationship, whether that be trouble at work, maybe a financial issue, what, whatever it is that consumes you. I mean, whatever it is for you that you find yourself thinking about the most or praying about the most, whatever it is that you find yourself giving the most attention to, here's the thing. That one thing has the potential to be the epicenter for some of God's greatest work in your life if you choose to trust God, if you choose to believe in Him. Let me say it again. That, that thing in your life right now that you wouldn't wish on anyone that one thing in your life that you would love for God to answer, that one thing that you would love for Him to take away, that very thing can be the one thing that changes your faith and your relationship with God forever, like nothing else. And that's why James is pleading, don't give up. Don't walk away. There's too much at stake here. Now, maybe you're sitting here today and you're thinking to yourself, I'm not buying it. I've gone through too much, or you have no idea my story. You know, I have no idea what, what I, I've gone through. Look, look at it like this. Some, some of you have previously gone through some horrible things in your life. And uh, I, please don't hear me wrong. I, I'm not judging you, I, because if I heard your story, I, I mean, it, it's probably heartbreaking what some of you have had to endure. But, but let me just ask you this. Because of what happened to you previously, at least for some of you, there's a chance that maybe, maybe you walked away from God or maybe you uh, abandoned your faith or maybe you walked away from church altogether and you're just now finding your way back. Can I at least just ask you this question? When you walked away, did things get any better? Did things get any easier because of it? I'm guessing in most cases, probably no. And so you can hear James saying, don't make that mistake again. Don't bail this time. If you find yourself stuck far from your ideal today, don't give up on God just yet because this current situation in your life has the, the potential to be the focal point for some of God's greatest work in and, and through you. Let perseverance finish its work. And why? Because at the end of the process, your persevering faith is going to bring more honor to God and it's going to leave you in a more satisfying place in your life too. And so James writes, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So he answers the question for us, you know, how, how do I grow in my faith? How do I become a mature follower of Jesus Christ? And so what's he say? Read the Bible more, uh, serve more, uh, give more money, 
get to church more, all these are good, and there are many good things that can come from each of these, but I want you to notice here that he's saying, he is calling out that it's perseverance that yields maturity. Now, that word maturity is also translated as complete. It might be, say, complete in your Bible, but in other words, if, if you don't allow perseverance to finish its work in your life, you'll never be complete. You'll be lacking something. Perseverance makes us stronger. You know, when I think about this kind of faith and perseverance, I think of my friends Jim and his wife Terry, and uh, they've got such strong faith, and uh, they're a very generous couple. They're wise and full of compassion. They love the Lord. Uh, they love people, and they love each other deeply. I mean, you can't help but look at Jim and Terry, and, and you just ask, you know, how do you get to this place in life? How, how do you have this kind of marriage? How, how do you have that kind of faith? How, how do you have so much love? Well, when you get below the surface, what you realize is that there's a really painful story there. And it's a painful story of unfaithfulness. It's a painful story of rejection. It's a painful story. Um, but then Christ and reconciliation and forgiveness and redemption. And for Jim and Terry, they'd never wish what they went through on anyone. But for the two of them, what God produced from it for them and how they've grown in their faith and how they've grown in their marriage they wouldn't trade it. And when you talk to them about it, you see that their faith in God is so deep and so real, and now they help others uh, because of their story and what they've gone through. And you're just awed at their obedience and their faith and their love, and you just can't help but ask, you know, how did you get to where you are today? The answer is that they let perseverance finish its work in their life, and they trusted God. And were they perfect or flawless through it? No way. But they let perseverance finish its work. And what God does for those who choose to believe and for those who cling to Him is that He always finishes His work. Now, I've got to be honest and say that if you're like me at all, I can't help but look at James' words and groan a little. I mean, they make me a little uncomfortable because I can't help but think, I, I don't want to learn these lessons this way, Lord. Like, I don't, I don't want to have to go through difficult times to learn something that you want to teach me. Is there any way of getting there? You know, is there a different way to learn these things? And maybe you feel the same. Or maybe you're here today, and the truth is that you're in the thick of it right now. The truth is that maybe you're just barely keeping your head above the water, and you're struggling with what to do next. Well, James got some advice for us. Look what he says next, and this is just really practical for us. Uh, verse 5, he says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. I want you to stop there and notice that James is telling us very specifically how we should pray. And for him to give us that sort of specific instruction that ends up in the Word of God, we need to know, hey, this is, this is good, all right? This is stuff to pay attention to. This is stuff to write down because he gives us a very specific prayer. James says, hey, if you're needing help, uh, if you're struggling with wisdom right now for what to do next, whatever that may be for you, whatever that may be for you today, James says, pray and ask for wisdom. He reminds us that it's okay to come to the, this refuge that we have with God, our Father, and ask for help. And wisdom just need, means uh, skills for living, 
uh, skills for what to do next. It's asking God for uh, the right behavior uh, in our current circumstances. It's asking God for the ability to maybe see what's going on around us in a broader context. And so James says, uh, don't hesitate to ask God for wisdom. He says, uh, don't hesitate to pray, to pray, God, I need help, or I'm stuck, or I'm lost right now, or I don't know where to go from here, Lord. Will you show me what to do next? It's like praying, you know, help me to see my next move. It's like you or me praying, hey, show me what obedience looks like right now in, in this season of my life. It, it's as a parent saying, Lord, uh, show me what to do next for, for my son or daughter. It's uh, help me uh, to see what I can do for my marriage. It's like praying, God, help me to see how I can overcome the loneliness or the depression right now in my life. Don't be afraid to ask God, to pray to God for wisdom. And what does James say that God will do? He says, ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Now, notice that he doesn't promise that God's going to take the problem away. Notice that he doesn't say that we get what we want, or we, we, he doesn't promise that we, we're going to get what we think we really need. He says to ask for wisdom, to pray for wisdom, and the promise there is that you will encounter a God who gives generously to all without finding fault, that he will give it to us, that he'll give us wisdom. And then one last thing. James isn't done, and in this next verse, I want you to notice that there's a but here, and it's a really, really big but that we have to pay attention to. Uh, But in verse 6, he says, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. He says, when you ask, when you pray, When you reach out, when you cry out to God, you have to believe. You have to believe. See, believing is a part of the process. Believing is a part of the faith work that God is doing in you, that He's doing in me. You have to believe God at His Word. You have to believe Him at His promises for you and trust Him with the time that it may take. And so consider it pure joy, James says. Let perseverance finish its work. Pray to God and ask God for wisdom. Believe and don't doubt. And I think that's just a reminder to us that when you're surprised by adversity in your life, don't assume the worst. Don't assume that God has abandoned you or that He's out to get you. If you're going through a difficult time in your life right now, don't bail. Don't give up on God just yet, but consider your way of thinking. Realize that something good can come from this and believe that your in-the-meantime moment has the potential to be the epicenter of some of God's greatest work in your life. Let perseverance finish its work in you. Let's pray together. Father, we're asking that in ways only you can do, Lord, that you would help us take what you have given us today and believe it. Because, Father, there are a lot of people here today, and you know every single story, and you know all of the details, and you know the challenges, you know the questions, you know the hurt, you know the pain. And you just know for us that living this out 
And that's where it gets challenging. And so would you encourage our hearts today? Would you increase our faith and our trust in you? And just with this commitment to let perseverance finish its work, that there's something something worth waiting for, there's something to hold on to, Lord. You're you're a, a good and a loving Father. And as we take refuge in you right now, Lord, just help us to experience that love. Now, I want to give you just a moment as we pray, you know, just with that very specific instruction from James to ask for wisdom. You know, maybe there's some wisdom you're needing to ask for right now, some next steps. We just take a moment, and if you haven't done so already, and just pray and ask the Lord, hey, what, what do these next steps look like for me? Let's pray and ask God to give you wisdom right now. Loving Father, we are praying and asking for wisdom right now, and we are holding you to your promise that you give and you respond generously without finding fault in us. Hear our prayers today, Lord. Hear these cries. Produce this wisdom and this faith in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.